incredible one and two player head-to-head -head team action. Acclaim presents Double Dragon 2, The Revenge. Nine larger-than-life missions. Outrageous martial art moves like the Cyclone Spin Kick. A martial arts explosion. Acclaim Entertainment Incorporated, Masters of the Game. Listener to our podcast, Jeff and Rook presents Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Where we journey through each issue of the most underrated Marvel series of the 80s while drinking beer. Analyzing awesome and amazing adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. I am Rick. And I am Corey. We used to be four ordinary teenagers until one day we met some new friends from out of town. They were called Random Banter. Random banter, buddies. Talk to me. Tell me tales. Introduce yourselves. Say things that are fun. Okay, while I introduce Corey, I'm going to try to think about what you are saying, and mm -hmm. I'm going to try to think about the crazy random banter there. I can give you some hints. I, 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 I think before we get there, well, no, give me the hints first. I'm okay. not going to introduce Corey until you give me the hints. <laughs> <laughs> it is a cartoon from 1987. Uh-huh. Where some teenagers got some magic rings and got some amazing powers. Each one had a different ethnicity or gender and had different colored clothes of a similar style. Okay, this could either be Power Rangers or this could be uh, Captain Planet, right? No, 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 no. What are you thinking? Corey, help me out. <laughs> I, I think Captain Planet, yeah. Captain no, Planet. you're both wrong. How about, really? I can give you a hint. I can sing you the theme song. Oh, dear God. Do you want the theme song? Sure. Dinosaurs! 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 I, I can't stop him. That will be a hole in my pop culture background. I think I remember a little bit of the name, but I do not remember that show at all. How about you, Corey? Yeah, I vaguely remember it. I think, did it have like a Marvel tie-in? I couldn't maybe. even tell you. Maybe. <laughs> I just remembered it from my youth, and I said, I know why this ties in quite well. But can you guess what it, what the name of the show is from the theme song? <laughs> yeah, we already did. It's uh, it's uh, Captain Earthbenders. Yes, that's, that's right. That's Dino Saucers. <laughs> in the era where teenagers meet aliens and get magic rings. As they are wont to do, I guess. Mm-hmm. The whole time. Yeah. 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 The, nothing, this, show lasted, this show lasted for one season and had a paltry 65 episodes. It wow. went from like uh, September to December and had 65 episodes. So, I mean, that's they, a lot of episodes. For yeah, one they season. packed them out. Yeah. And uh, the concept on this is aliens from a kind of parallel Earth came to Earth. They were dinosaurs and they fought evil dinosaurs. One team wore blue, one team wore red. And so there's dinosaurs with high tech abilities, kids. Seeing I'm, why I might have picked this one for a random banter intro? I have no clue how you picked this for a random banter intro, but I just am wondering why it only lasted one season because that looks like marketing gold right there i mean i'm not sure why they didn't print money hand over fist i know i can't figure it out either just like that hand over hand fist, over fist. I don't dinosaur understand. money but 
we're bearing the lead. We're bearing the lead. We have a new voice on our show, and we really need to, before we lose all the people in this dinosaur magic ring malarkey. Dinosaurs. We, <laughs> we have Corey from uh, the internets, really. Well, Corey, why don't you introduce yourself? Sure, sure, yeah. I, uh, I'm i on Twitter, which is where we connected, I think. So I'm uh, at New Warriors Talk. And so, yeah, I, I, I basically obsess over the New Warriors. I have a website that that is attempting to put every appearance of every New Warrior ever in chronological order. So that's uh, the New Warriors continuity conundrum. And of course, I have a Patreon, just like any anybody else in the world. I've done uh, some writing for outlets, news, comics news outlets like uh, Smash Pages and uh, Robot 6 back when CBR had a blog and did other types of articles that they don't do anymore. I produced a documentary called Dig Comics, tons of stuff, but that's the stuff that you might have heard of. See, and, and this is the reason why we wanted to have you on, because... Uh... There's work that we are doing on our side that is definitely helping you out. We're at least giving you all the appearances of Alex. And Alex Power is a new warrior. That's correct. He joined the new warriors uh, in the mid to late 90s. And about eight more issues, well, eight more issues plus about three more uh, supplementary issues. He'll be joining the new warriors. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, so he's got a he's got a page on my site. Actually, have uh, I've been commissioning some artists to draw little like profile pictures of the New Warriors, and uh, I have somebody drawing an Alex Power right now. Excellent. Who is it? Um, uh, I, it's a surprise. I don't want to okay. unveil the surprise. Uh, I don't want to just. I don't want to flood the internet's <laughs> with with just enthusiasm right away. So I want to hold it off just for a moment. <laughs> The, the 60 or 70 people that listen to our show are, you know, we, we don't want them to get out there and, and crash yeah. your site by going out and checking it out. <laughs> right, right. I have to sort of meter it out a little bit. I understand. I understand. Um, and well, you know, this is a time, though, for both of us, because thanks to the Outlaws series, our um, event that's coming out right now, Power Pack's going to be back. They're going to be part of that. New Warriors is going to be coming back. They're going to be part of it, too. This is kind of our time to shine again, you know, the... the 80s, 90s characters, teams are coming back strong. Yeah, it's really good to see the teams and the characters that aren't the big icons getting some focus. So yeah, I'm very excited. Have you been reading The Outlaws at all? I haven't. I'm kind of saving it until the New Warriors miniseries comes out and Power Pack, which I is at the time of this recording, about a week away. And so, uh, yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of sitting on it until uh, I want to put them all together because there's quite a gap, obviously, when the uh, when the Earth got sick and uh, and we all had to take a break and the comics went on hold. So it started. It was kind of the the event was sort of interrupted, you know, like it, it kicked off and then everything was put on hold. Yeah, we had we had the one issue with the, the starting point of it where you know where Ms. Marvel got got injured and they they started a law in her name because she was found in her civilian identity and then stop because of COVID. So it, it all of a sudden <laughs> like, looked, looked like, yeah, she was sick for quite a while, like eight months. <laughs> and then like all of a sudden all this stuff is happening. So it kind of played in a little bit with the narrative. You just have to squint your eyes, but I've been reading those issues and, and I was going to ask you some questions, but I will wait. I will wait since you haven't read them yet. We'll have to come back and talk about that again when you come back on our show in a little while. 
I, I think that's pretty much the bantering that we're going to be doing at this point in time is uh, talking about New Warriors <laughs> and Power Pack. And introducing Corey, which is the most important part. And introducing Corey, it is the most important part. And as we keep telling Corey, we are complete professionals here, which is, which is why we stumble around so much during this opening part. But I think it's time to stop stumbling around and dive into the issue. But before we do that, we need a replay of last episode in two senses. Jeff. It is the age-old story of a villainous older woman with disassociative disorder and superpowers seducing a 12-year-old boy to learn the secrets of an alien technology before destroying him and his entire team of sibling superheroes for Doctor Doom. But it's not all hand-holding and smiles, as Typhoid Mary also attempts to seduce Alex's dad simply to hurt Alex's feelings before tiring of the game and just flat-out attempting to murder Jim Power two or three different ways before tiring of that game and simply leaving the encounter to report back to Doctor Doom. Now that the, ha, joke's on you, Typhoid Mary actually just wanted to get a secret out of Doom, and she didn't care about Power Pack one whit. Two-sentence replay is over. Why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our Power Pack pick is? My pleasure, my friend. Now, uh, I am going to let you open up your wonderful little paper bag-covered beer, but before I do, I want to allow our friend to talk about his beverage of choice because he has said that he's not a drinker so he has got brought his own special beverage to drink today and what was that Corey? i have brought with me from the hills of california fine tap water but it's been lightly seasoned by being placed in a tune tumbler nova glass that i have <laughs> and this adds a certain Je ne sais quoi to its palate. Very nice. What's the uh, vintage? <laughs> it is 2020. Oh, that weirdly. is a, that is a good year for water. Yeah. That is a really good year for water. Yeah, you can really taste the hydration. That's that the only water. thing that had a good year. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Anger seemed to be and uh, despondency. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, seemed to be doing pretty good this year. <laughs> yeah, once you finish the glass, you begin crying. Yeah, you refill it up with your salty, salty tears. <laughs> salty, right. salty water. You're like, I'm going to pretend I'm at the ocean. It's like a vacation. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Well, I'm glad that you are partaking of the water and keeping yourself hydrated. Jeff and I are not going to be that healthy. So, Jeff, I'd like you to reach into your paper bag and tell the world what magical beer the beer fairy left for you today? Well, let's find out. It is a 12-ounce can. It is Lewitt Brewing Company. It is Grimlock Porter. Nice. Ooh, <laughs> that's got a cool-looking orc on the front carrying a mace. And the uh, counterweight or the hilt of that mace is a D20 because I am a D&D nerd and I love it. This is great. And it says, brewed with pride in the shadow of Mount St. Helens. And, yep, that is a porter. That looks great. Yeah, and uh, why would I choose something called Grimlock Porter? Me Grimlock, me am king! <laughs> Grimlock is a T-Rex Transformer Autobot. Uh, mostly a good guy. And that's why you would pick this, because a mechanical robot is involved in this episode or issue multiple different ways which is pretty great so that ties right in you better believe it yeah I, I i was looking around for a nice beer that had some kind of dinosaur theme and i saw grimlock and i did not make it much farther <laughs> than that yeah you said good enough done and done good enough for me Very and grimlock nice. porter 
is a fun twist on an American porter. The dark malts provide pleasant flavors of chocolate, toffee, coffee, and toast. The addition of rye malts builds the complexity of the malt profile by adding a touch of rye spiciness to the finish, balanced by a touch of hop bitterness to round out the brew. It is a unique and freshing porter. I just realized that I had written all that down. 5% alcohol by volume. This has like a them. lovely color and a lovely pour on it. This is a very, very dark porter. Yeah, this is this is our favorite kind of porter. One where I can hold it up to the screen and I can't see Jeff. Yeah, that that is... You are just cruel. You got mean, <laughs> I really man. I really Who hurt am. you? Who hurt you so bad that you hurt others that way? Yeah, this is opaque. Yeah. This is opaque. Nice little foam on there. It smells like, yeah, chocolate. Getting that coffee. Mm-hmm. A little bit of that toffee in there, but definitely, definitely just that that heavy, earthy blend of, of chocolate and coffee. Yeah, you can you can get those. It's not excessive like some coffee beers, but it is. Yeah, there's definitely those uh, coffee notes, those kind of coffee ground uh, scent. And taste-wise. Mm. It's a little flatter. It's a little flatter than I thought it would be. Yeah. Definitely has uh, the coffee flavor. Mm. Strong on the coffee. It's definitely got the the chocolates in the back. The the uh, toffee is not so much there. Toffee kind of comes in. I'm I'm getting a little bit of it. It was kind of like it peaked in uh, mid mid range, like yeah. mid taste between uh kind of like the you know the front taste and the aftertaste. I, I'm getting that spiciness that's on the back end. I am getting the spiciness when I when I drink it. Yeah. I can I, I get that little bit of rye. Yeah. I just like I said the the only thing that I'm noticing is that it's not as Heavy bodied. It's just a little bit flat. The, the taste is okay, but the drink itself seems a little flat. It's got the flavors. Nothing is really punching you really hard in the face, no. kind of thing. It's not like, oh, it's super coffee. Oh man, that's a chocolate stout. I think what is uh, the reason for that is the fact that it is a porter. So it's got a lot mm. of those porter characteristics, which tend to be a little bit more muted than yeah. like stouts. And when you're looking at this, you're like, oh, I know what I'm getting into with this. And so I think we're being surprised by it because it is. A porter in a coat. Yeah, yeah. It's three porters in a trench coat. Ooh, that's a very tall court. That's a very tall porter. <laughs> yeah, and it's trying to get into a movie. So, uh, no, yeah. it, it's it's tasty. It's good. It's just, a, I think we look at it and expect something else for it. We are, in fact, attempting to read a book by its cover. And we shouldn't yes. do that. No, we should not. No, so we should rude. Not. So very ways. rude. Still, it's not a bad beer. I think I'm going to enjoy it. I think it'll be tasty to drink while we talk about this issue, which um, I think we better go in and start talking about it right now. And the only way we can do that is if you give us the opening credits, Jeff. Power Pack, issue number 54, March 1990, Dynamite, or Boys and Their Toys. Credits, writer, Judy Bogdanov. Pencils, John Bogdanov. Inks, Hilary Barta. Letterers, Joe Rosen. Colors, Glennis Oliver. Editor, Daniel Chichester. Editor-in-Chief, Tom DeFalco. Featuring Power Pack. Alex Power, a.k.a. Massmaster, Density, Julie Power, a.k.a. Lightspeed, Rainbows, Jack Power, a.k.a. Destroyer, Destruction, Giddy Power, a.k.a. Counterweight, Gravity, Franklin Richards, a.k.a. Tattletale, Psychic Projection. Yes, starring Sue and Reed Richards, sometimes members of the Fantastic Four and sometimes parents of Frank. Worst suburban implants ever. A stretched-out Reed Richards that looks like a full-size Brontosaurus is attacking Franklin Richards, who is sporting the G-Power set in the Cretaceous era. And here we go! I am starting to understand why you guys drink while reading these. 
It does help. Why don't you leave me alone? I have powers, and they're good, and stop trying to damp them down, dog breath. Not only is Reed a giant brontosaurus-shaped dinosaur, he can also talk and does so to threaten his child that he will eat him, which he then does. And before we make a joke about this being the end of the episode, an energized Frank punches his way out of his infanticiding father's mouth. Zwam! And for a good measure, Frank swings his father round by the head and wraps him around a tree and taunts his fallen fatherly foe by telling him to try and figure out how to stop him this time. <laughs> then the little boy wakes up because, of course, this is a dream. Or is it a special dream? Hard to tell. With eyes wide open and his teddy bear beside him, Frank runs down what just happened to him. Let me see if I can summarize. While you do that, we'll just head over to the powerhouse. It looks like the power girls are packing up to go see their Aunt Pauline. Julie asks if Katie has everything, which reminds Katie about her raccoon, which is on a top shelf. I'll just fly up and go- She launches off one bed and slams onto the other bed. Blumpf. Julie flies up, grabs the stuffy, and brings it to her upset sister. Katie forgot that she couldn't fly anymore, and she looked pretty silly trying to defy gravity. She certainly did. I love Pratt Falls. That was hilarious. Laugh all you want, but watch as she lightly picks up that heavy suitcase using her G-Power, twirling it on her finger and floating in the air like she is the newest member of the Harlem Globetrotters. While we look at her now, floating on air, being so free, we see Jack, who is the newest member of the Washington Generals, crawling on the floor, disintegrating every piece of garbage, every dust mite, every little thing he can find, because it is so cool to do so. The two youngest members are really stretching out their new powers, trying to figure out what they can do, especially since they lack a danger room or a wealthy foundation established by deceased parents to fund their state-of-the-art training facility. Specific and creepy. It is the Night Thrasher way. And into this power demonstration walks Mr. Killjoy, a.k.a. Alex. As soon as he steps in the room, he starts to criticize Katie for walking on the ceiling, which he has done a numerous times. He also tells Jack to stop disintegrating everything, which he has also done numerous times, because he lost a screw from his computer here earlier. Insert some witty joke about Alex losing a screw. Insert funny retort about my co-host's lame joke. Insert a pop culture reference, <sighs> and uh, maybe mention Mannequin Lawyer. Wow, uh, weren't you guys supposed to write a joke there? Yeah, but we've done 71 episodes, so sometimes we uh, insert a witty reply here. Okay, well back in the story, Alex shrinks down and finds the tiny screw he lost, which he probably should have done before when he lost it. Jack, meanwhile, is asking his older brother if he wants to go out and practice using their powers. But Alex is too busy. He has to see his girlfriend to work on a project for the summer science fair. Oh, science. Right. Go have an incredibly perfect scientific day with Allison. Har har. Bye. I'm totally tolerant of your juvenile attempts at humor. Jack then asks his sisters, but Julie and Katie are going upstate with their aunt. Yes, that's right. That's how I say aunt. Allow me one regional accent. Thereby excusing all three of his other siblings from the rest of the book. But before they clock out of their four-page cameo, Jim and Maggie show up. And Maggie shows up with a new haircut. And it is something. Yeah, what had been straight shoulder-length hair with bangs is now a perm. And even though the girls love it, 
I gotta go with Alex, who is thinking that he hates it. Jack takes this moment to ask his dad about maybe going to the museum to see some dinosaurs. Jim and Maggie have other, much more exciting plans for the day. They are picking out new kitchen linoleum. Woohoo! Best day ever! Uh, seriously? Homeowners with children. It <laughs> has broken us. Okay, I can see that. Well, now that Jack has been rebuffed by his entire family, he sulks off to his room. Maggie does notice this and gets an idea. Yeah, she calls her good friend Sue and has a talk with her. Plans are made and soon she is informing Jack that she is sending him away from the family. Hooray! To hang out with Frank. Hooray! To see dinosaurs. Hooray! For the day! Uh, Meh. Meh. uh, What? Well... It would be cooler if Jack and Frank got to run away and hang out with dinosaurs forever. But I guess this is going to be fine for now. What is kind of cool is that Frank and his parents are up in Stamford packing up some of Reed's old stuff. Frank is bored just hanging with his parents, so Sue and Maggie agreed the boys should hang out. To accomplish this, Maggie and Jim put Jack on a train to ride up to Stamford by himself. And man... That would be the early 90s, late 80s in a nutshell. Having a 10-year-old boy ride on an hour-long train ride by himself. Well, you know, he has powers. Not that his parents know that, but they do know that he is not a shy kid. So, yeah, let's just stick a fork in this and talk about it later. Good idea. Jack makes it safely up to Stanford and is met by Frank and his parents at the station. Hey, Mr. and Mrs. Richards. Hey, dude. Yo. Hey. Jack, uh, yo! Frank leads his friend over to his parents' cool station wagon that is actually a regular car that actually runs on the ground. The lack of super science on this vehicle is amazing. Terrific, kid! The rest of the plan outing starts to unfold. The Richards are taking the boys to a big dinosaur exhibit at a local mall. They're going to let the boys go to it themselves while they finish packing. On the way to the mall... Reed bores the boys with long talk about how they should go to the library and read about the Mesozoic era instead. Sure, animatronic dinosaurs are probably entertaining, but they could be learning facts. In fact, many more facts, and in great depth too. And isn't that better? Frank is a bit embarrassed, and Sue internally thinks that Reed should let the boys have fun. Jack comes in with the save, informing the square that they get all that book learning at school. This is for fun. We want to see those suckers move! Didn't you ever want to have fun when you were young? This question destroys Reed's mind as he tries to figure out the meaning of this word, fun, and makes for a quiet rest of the drive. The boys are dropped off at the mall, given some cash, and Jack is officially put in charge by Sue. The boys run into the mall with an hour to spare before the dino show starts. So, you know what that means. Food montage! Toy Store Raid! High speed police chase! We will leave the listeners in suspense about what happened and what did not happen. But we will say this, Jack's mom told him not to overdo the junk food. And there is an annoyed Toy Story manager. And the Blues Brothers famously destroyed a mall in a police chase. During all these shenanigans, Frank tells Jack about his special dream and how it was about his dad and real dinosaurs. He feels bad that he hurt his dad in the dream. Jack is a really good friend here. He does a pretty good job of telling Frank not to worry about it. He knows that his fantastic family loves him. And besides, dinosaurs aren't real. Meanwhile in the land of the dinosaurs... Home of the fighting... uh, dinosaurs. And apparently the home of Bossy Boss, who likes yelling at subordinates... 
A bespeckled and angry man is yelling at a green jumpsuited man who is tinkering with the tail of a dinosaur that is not wearing anything. A mechanical dinosaur, I am guessing. Wait, do you think he is messing around with a real dinosaur's tail? How should I know? I've never met a dinosaur. They may have all been mechanical. You don't know. Wait, what? Forget it, Corey. It's Dino Town. Anyway, the manager leaves, and we get a look at the guy working on the dino. Why, it is none other than the Mad Thinker. Let me guess. He is the living statue that was originally sculpted by Rodin, who is angry after years of sitting in that position, and he is French. No, Jeff. He is a really classic Fantastic Four villain, who is a genius inventor. He's been around since, like, 1963 when he first appeared in Fantastic Four number 15. He also has a history with the New Warriors after this issue, where he stalks every single member to find their psychological profile, which he hands over to a morally questionable company that uses this information to create a superhuman team that includes a black cloud and a stripper. Okay, well, Power Pack has a cloud on the team too, so that isn't too weird. But why is he playing with the dinosaurs? Because they are cool? Because who would not want to play with dinosaurs? While both true and valid statements, it still is not helpful. Okay, well then, the Mad Thinker gives us a couple-page rundown of his history that shows us he was on the top of the world and on his way to absolute domination when the FF sent him to jail. Things happened, and he infected a guard with a mind-control virus he created out of his prison food, which is one to happen. This mind-controlled guard went on a mission to activate the last of his hidden simulacrums. When the synapse-sharing simulacrum went back to his lab, the mad thinker became a sad thinker, as he found that all of his toys were broken. Depressed, he went walking in the rain and saw the advertisement for the dino exhibit, and he came up with a plan to kill a lot of people and rule the world. Okay, that explains why this monologue of world domination cleverly matches Jack's monologue of a toy Tyrannosaurus Rex's domination of the toy store. Sure it does. This is the point where Jack and Frank run out of the toy store after absolutely demolishing the train display. They then get in line and are finally led into the... Land of the Dinosaurs! And it is pretty neat. A bunch of large, life-sized dinosaurs fill up the space and the boys are in heaven. At least until Franklin catches a glimpse of the mad thinker and kind of recognizes him but not before the villain presses the O key on the keyboard to launch his operation. Oh my gosh, it's Bill Watterson. Ever feel as if you're being watched? Ugh, he's after us. This is great. They could have charged lots more for this. <sighs> All these wonderful models, and he still has to do his usual shtick. For those of you who are confused, I get ya. But apparently the mad thinker forgot to press the shift key with the O key on the keyboard because he activated the subroutine that made the artist add in Calvin from Calvin and Hobbes and his parents walking through the museum. The thinker recognized this and pressed the correct sequence of keys and started operation, oh my gosh, it's Jurassic Park! And the Triceratops attacks the visitors, causing mass hysteria. Hooray! Really? Hey, I like and thrive on chaos. Jack rushes in, costuming on while powering up and telling Frank to hang back. Jack starts to blast the rampaging dinosaurs, including knocking up P. pterodactyl from the sky. Um, it is pterodactyl. The P is silent. K, knock it off. I can know what I am doing, you P-psychotic word kazar. Corey, can you, can you just, I just can't. Uh, nope, I am just going back in the story. All is going well until the T-Rex joins the party and he starts to tear things up like it is the Cretaceous period. Wish. Jack is whipped across the room and smacks into the disabled Triceratops. Bathoom. Causing one of the beast's legs to fall, trapping him. Thump. 
Franklin tries to assist, but he just does not have the muscles or weight to pull his buddy free. But he is able to catch a glimpse of the thinker in the control room, and he finally recognizes Mr. Jerkface. He also realizes that he is not strong enough to save Jack, but he might be smart enough to defeat an evil genius. At least he is going to be brave like his good friend Jack. Who is currently knocked out and trapped by a mechanical dinosaur. Listen up, Mr. Negative. You need to be a bit more positive, like our brave little toaster who is saying, I think I can, I think I can, as he sneaks up the stairs. In my experience, I find it much easier to sneak up on someone when I am not saying that I am going to sneak up on them. You would be right. The thinker hears Franklin sneaking up, and he responds by informing the brave but loud child that he calculated the possibility he would be interrupted, but he could never have imagined that it would be the son of his arch-nemesis. And I know you are a spaghetti for brains, and my dad, Mr. Fantastic, can put you back in jail if you don't stop being bad. And for that insolent insult, Franklin wins the backside of his villain's hand. Smack! Which is enough to send the young child to night-night land. Normally, that would be a bad thing, but for a child who can astral project himself, this just turns on the powers. Tattletail peers over the green-suited jerk's shoulder and watches how he is controlling the dinosaurs. He then waits until the thinker runs off to finish his dastardly plans. Then he wakes himself up. Yeah, he must have been hit so hard that he kind of became two people for a second. But he convinces his physical body to move over to the controls and play with some big dinosaurs. He uses the brontosaurus to free Jack and calls him up to help him out. Jack joins him, and together they stop the rampage and use the pterodactyl to capture the thinker, who is breaking into the cash registers and the shops in the mall. Yes, that's right. His big scheme for using the distraction of the rampaging terror lizards was so that he could rob an Orange Julius and a Hot Dog on a Stick's daily bankroll. Oh well, deeds is needs, I guess. With a little fine motor control developed from years of playing video games, the boys drop the crook and his ill-gotten gains into the waiting arms of the cops. Seema, I told you that video game playing would pay off. Plarf. A normal person could choose a lot of different responses, but the mad thinker pretty much goes with the, and I would have gotten away with it too if it weren't for those darn kids. Also, some more mature heroes would have given each other a nod for a job well done, but these are just two immature little boys. Poop, blah, wrath. I'm the mad stinker. Vengeance! <laughs> I calculate that there's a 110% probability that I am a raving jerk face! As the boys walk away, Jack, being a good friend, tells Franklin that he was great today. He captured the Mad Thinker all by himself, and that is a feat that took the whole of the Fantastic Four to do. The pride that he feels from getting respect from someone Franklin looks up to makes him realize that he may not have such a wimpy power after all. As the Richards pick them up on the undamaged part of the mall, Franklin tells his parents how much fun they had. Reed tries to be Mr. Kiltastic and talk about the errors in the dinos they saw. You see, the models were only three-quarter scales after all. How disappointed they must have all been. This brings down the little fella, but Jack encourages him by reminding him that he caught a crook and saved a bunch of lives today. So why don't you stand up for yourself and tell your dad what you did learn? And Franklin does. He points out that they could have learned more in the books, but they would not have appreciated the size or movements of the dinosaurs or realized how much fun they were. He even tells his dad that he should loosen up a little, go check them out himself, take mom with him, and most importantly, have some fun. The still confused by the concept of fun father dazedly agrees. In fact, he says maybe the three of them should go check it out together as a family. And having fun is half the battle. Thanks, Roadwreck. I am not sure how we parried into G.I. Joe, but I do know that the next issue is Mysterio. 
da 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 Hey, now it's time for the themes of the issue. Yay, 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 yay. That's my little happy dance. You know, that's when we get done reading the script and we actually move into the themes of the issue and we talk about what it looks like and how we feel about the issue and talk about other things that have come up. And we'll, we'll, we usually start that with just, what about the Power Pack packaging? What do we think of this awesome, awesome cover? Well, for one thing, that's the other half of the battle. <laughs> uh, Power pack. Da, 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 da. Bring it back in. Bring it back in. Let's let's let 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 let's 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 talk about the cover. Let's talk about the Power Pack packaging cover. Let's talk about the cover of the issue. We're going to talk about it. Our cover looks great. We have here, drawn by Bog and Barda. One last time. Yeah, the classic party pack. They are amazing together. And it, it does bring a little bit of a tear to my eye that this is going to be like one of their last covers. And, and I am sorry to see them go. Uh, who wants to describe the cover? Corey. Well, we have the Power Pack logo at the top, which really surprised me. Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in really quickly. This uh, logo here, Katie has the zero G power and she's holding up in one hand Jack, who's shooting a fireball, and Franklin, who's just kind of balancing on one foot. Coming up from the back, like directly over her head, is Julie in doing the rainbow trail. And Alex has got a cloud that's circling around them. It's very, very awesome. Great corner box. The old corner box art of the of the, of your... Wish they'd bring that back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's a, it is a great cover. So there is a gigantic Tyrannosaurus Rex that has Franklin in its clutches. He's just taking up the whole cover. Jack's in the lower right shooting a powerball at him and there's other dinosaurs in the background running around there's like mist it's like a swampy kind of ancient history sort of vibe to it it's great an erupting Brunus. volcano in the background yeah yeah it's, it looks great grass yeah it is very uh, jurassic park mm-hmm. sans yeah. the park <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i i like this one this is this is definitely one that i would have up on the wall no problem no questions asked this would this would definitely be one of them that would that I would put up there because it's it's got action. It tells you what's going on in the issue. You know, you got two people that are really in it. You got a big giant dinosaur. I mean, there's other things that are going on, but you know, this is about dinosaurs. You know, this is about Franklin and and Jack. This is what you want from a cover. This is going to get yeah. get you to pick it up. Yeah, this gets you. This is really great. What this is, I believe, I'm pretty sure on this, the last Bogdanov issue that he that he is a part of, whether it's writing or drawing, and he did not write this one, although he did the drawing on it, his wife wrote it. And she has a small amount of writing credits. She actually has done two other things. She did two New Mutants annuals, uh, some short stories in them, uh, New Mutants Annual 15 and New Mutants Annual number 17. So she bounced around a little bit in there. She, she got an opportunity to do some writing. Well, we can drop the thing now, but it looks like possibly next issue, our next episode that we're going to put out, we are going to do another interview with John Bogdanov and his wife, Judy. Yeah, so we're looking forward to that. And we hope everybody else is too. Yeah, so we can ask her some questions about that, about the annuals that she wrote. I'm very interested in. Plus, it was so much fun talking to uh, John Bogdanov too. It'd be cool to talk to him. Yeah, exactly. What'd you guys think about her writing in this though? I mean... Yeah, I loved it. I thought... The thing to me that makes Power Pack special is the kids' dialogue. And if you can't get kids' dialogue, it's it's over. The book's like just 
doesn't work. And she has it. She just really has their, that energy and that like childlike way of speaking that is, is that feels real and feels fresh and fun. So yeah, I, I enjoyed it a lot. No, I liked it too. Um, I thought it very serviceable. It had great kids voices. It had the things in it that uh, I really liked where there was a scene where Frank and Jack are in the car with Sue and Reed and Reed's, you know, expounding. Oh, you know, it's like, yeah, this might be entertaining and fun, but oh, you could really learn about it in the library. And he's just going on and on and on. And you can just look at this and just, you see everybody's thought bubbles kind of like, oh gosh, what a downer. And Sue like, Reed, I love you, but you got to let your kid be a kid. You know, nobody's saying it, but you could just see the, everybody in this car is on the same page except for the driver, which is dad, you know, dad dearest. Who's like, Oh, you could have, why would you listen to that music when this music's so much better? You know, kind of thing. It's just like, so it has those nice little situations like that. They set up a thing in the beginning with Maggie telling Jack, it's like, okay, go out, but try not to eat too much junk food. And they go in and they go over to the food court because they got free time. And it's just like, so what are we going to do? All the good eats, you know, and it's just like they're even talking. They're like, my dad would want me to be eating tofu right now. Is your dad like that? You know, so they had it, it had that great kind of like tying into, you know, itself in the story and the aspect of like, yeah, the kids are kids. And if given the choice between like, you're right, I really should go to Salad Hut or I should go to the giant ice cream scoop emporium. Which one should I do as a, you know, 10 year old? Or as yeah. my case, a multiple 10 years old. Uh, <laughs> ice cream! Give me yeah, some yeah. pizza! That back in the before times of COVID, you know, me and my friends going into a mall. It's like, uh, yeah, we were doing the same things. We hit the toy store. We hit the junk yeah. food parts of the mall. Yeah, it, waiting to get in to see the movie we want to see. Yeah, about the same thing. You know, yeah, we, we, yeah. we never really grew up past that 10-year-old. Yeah, uh, exactly. Going to KB <laughs> Toys, looking at stuff. Oh, you bet. Going through no. <laughs> whatever music music uh, music shop is open. Yeah, that, that was me back in the 20s. Yep, exactly. <laughs> no, the, you guys have a good right, though. I mean, she's got the voice. Uh, and tied right in with her husband's drawing style of really getting what we think of as the classic kids drawing. It feels very much like a kid's adventure that they are on this adventure, that they're doing this fun thing. And they're talking about kid things. You know, Frank has got problems. He's like, I don't, I'm kind of a nervous about my dad and you know, what he thinks of me and, and this dream I had and Jack's being a good friend. It, this really helps solidify the friendship that those two have. That's kind of my favorite part of this issue actually is that mall scene before they get into the dinosaurs, obviously the dinosaur stuff is tons of fun, but the heart to me is when they have those conversations between Jack and, and Franklin and, and it feels like kids confiding in each other. And I love that. Like I, I love how it explores the father son relationship. And Jack of course has his own relationship with his family as well. And the way that it sort of gracefully moves through those relationships, I felt just, it was really authentic, you know, the way that they, start sharing while playing with the dinosaurs in the, yeah. in the store. You know, that's very childlike. Yeah, I just love that. Th- that Those moments were so great. And of course, yeah, that I love. We got money and we're just going to run through the mall and go bonkers. You know, <laughs> that first like independent moment of a kid where you just get let loose in the world. It's so fun. I like how the playing that they do, the interactions that they've got. It, it's something that we're I don't see all the time in modern comics. I think we miss a lot of that characterization and the development of interpersonal relationships. Sometimes it is just we're going to get out the toys and we're going to crash them together and, and you know, do the big tights and fights fight. But the heart of comic books really is in these scenes where they're working out their personal problems. Oh, yeah, but we also have superpowers. But it's the interpersonal relationships and the problems that that sometimes has and figuring it out 
in not a fighty way, in just a talking way. Yeah, I love also how when they're playing with the dinosaurs, it's uh, Franklin has a Stegosaurus, Jack has a Tyrannosaurus. And, you know, they're doing the standard, ah, dinosaurs are fighting. But you could tell it's a, it's a very, it's a sharing experience. It's a giving experience because, you know, Jack's like, well, I'm the meat eater. You're the plant eater. I'm going to eat you. No, it's not like that. There's, you know, there's a scene in there where the Stegosaurus is like standing triumphant over a fallen uh, T-Rex. It's like, wow, this is a very giving kind of like play. It's not just, no, me, me, me. It's like, yeah, we're, it's collaborative. We're doing this together. This is our story. I absolutely love the relationship that Jack and Franklin have in the Power Pack comics. I love the fact that Jack has like taken, you know, Franklin under his wing and just said, you are my brother. You are my younger brother. And I'm going to be the bigger brother to you that I would so desperately want. And you so desperately need. Potshot's taking it, Alex. (laughs) 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 Below the belt, below the belt, below the belt. Yeah, no, but I just (laughs) love the relationship together. And this issue just wraps its arms around that so hard. And I love that. It's Jack is encouraging to Franklin. He knows that he's, you know, he's got, you know, he's in the shadow of giants and he's, he encourages him. It's like, stand up to your dad, tell him what's going on, go out, have some fun, do this thing. You know, it's like your father might want this, but you know what? You're, you're four and a half. Let's have fun. Yeah, I, I wrote down in the notes here, it's like a buddy cop movie. And I I wrote that down as I was reading this because it just, it's not quite right, but it's the same kind of thing. It's just the essence of what a buddy cop movie is. It's two guys who have the talk, the talks that they're doing together, the interpersonal relationship that they have with each other. It's much sweeter than a lot of mm-hmm. buddy cop movies, you might say, but it's it's that same idea. It's these yeah. two guys going out and having fun. It's 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 really sweet. It's really nice. Speaking of sweet and nice, though. I know that during our first interview that we had with John Bogdanov, he kind of told us a little bit about this issue. He drew a lot of people into this issue that he knew. He kind of did a dedication at the end, and I... And it's obvious. Yeah, it's very obvious with a lot of his drawings. He's very much drawing people in there. I think he was just like, I don't care. (laughs) It's my last issue. Who cares? Yeah. Who's going to stop me? Yeah, he went whole hog on it, and it's great. He did, he did. But at the very end, he wrote a little dedication dedicated to the real-life superheroes of SCU at PBMC and to the loving memory of Bertie Rose Kurtz, who, I think if I remember the story, he said that it was somebody he knew, somebody that they cared for very much, and she was as she was dying, he wanted to give her a shout-out. He wanted to recognize her, and he wanted to recognize the, the nurses and people that took care of her. And so... It's it's very much a love story that both the Bogdanovs are writing in this book, which I think is also very sweet as well. No, that's great. I remember reading it and being like, who are they? Yeah. Uh, that's it's cool to hear kind of the story behind that. That's really sweet. Just the fact that the you know you sort of have a, a husband and wife team as the sort of main creative drivers of this issue. I had never, this was the first issue I'd ever seen with her name in the credits and for a moment i was like is that his daughter is that like i didn't know who she yeah. was his nom de plume <laughs> right right exactly but yeah it's so cool i mean it just it's such a it's a fun issue that has a lot of heart and a lot of like personal investment without it feeling like a very special issue yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know so it's just it's it, it really is like a, a, a just just I, I had for i had forgotten how good this issue was when i until i read it again recently 
Yeah. And I really, I really liked it a lot. And that's kind of the neat thing about getting to uh, talk to some of the creators on this is you get to, you get to peel that, you know, the curtain back and you get to go, Oh, it's your wife. Oh. And you kind of start learning their history of them together and, and things they're doing. And it's just like, well, this is actually really special. And so it's neat to have that kind of like, here's your entertainment, but here's more to it. Yeah, we like the story. We like the writing, but there are a couple things that we need to talk about. A couple of little pieces here. We definitely need to talk about. I think we'll first start with what happened to Maggie's hair. Somebody please explain that to me, because I got nothing. She went to go get a haircut, and her hairdresser said, time for a change. And she said, okay. And she trusted her hairdresser to uh, set her up with something neat. She got something. You should, uh, I love it, because that is the smart answer to give. The daughters are smart. They love the hair. That is the smart answer to give. Everybody loves her hairdo. Jim probably said, I love it, honey. And the same inside, he's saying... Dear God in heaven, what happened? Uh, Alex luckily kept it inside because he's a teenager yes. and, you know, you don't know what happens. He might have been thinking, say you love it, say you love it, say you love it. Oh, my God, Mom, what did you do? Was that out loud? It's, yeah, it is. Uh, it's a disparity from uh, what has been in previous things. It's It's different. It's different. If she's happy with it, then that is the most important thing. That is the most important thing. If she's happy with it, there's no shame on that. Is it the hairdo that I like? No, it's not. But if it works for her and she's happy with it, then joy to the world, power to her. All right. Fine. 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 I will leave it alone. I just am like, oh, my God, what happened to her hair? Because I was right there with Alex. <laughs> Corey, you want to <laughs> – which direction of the compass needle are you going on this one? Alex lost a few points for me when <laughs> – even though it was, uh, you know, a thought bubble, his his face was that of horror, and and I was like, wow, that's rude. Well, <laughs> once again, teenage boy, teenage boy, <laughs> true. Uh, like I said, I, I'm giving him points for not actually saying, "Oh my God, Mom, was that out loud?" <laughs> <laughs> he does have an appearance on his face like somebody tooted. Yeah. <laughs> He, 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 Ugh, he just received it. a frying pan to the face, and he's not hiding it very yep. well. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we, we, we'll quit begging on Maggie's hair. And instead, talk about Maggie's choices that she has with sending her 10-year-old son on a one-hour train ride up to Stamford. Now, I may not live on the East Coast. <laughs> I've never lived on the East Coast. But I'm thinking that, you know, an hour ride on a train by just a 10-year-old boy, and that boy being Jack... Choices were made. Um, <laughs> I don't remember the right ages when my parents let me have a bit of a distance and I could do things on my own. I will say that when I was 15, I was staying with my friend uh, TJ, who we had on the show before. I was staying with him and his family down at Grants Pass. And they put me on a Greyhound bus to come back to Portland instead of my parents driving back and forth. And that was an all-day affair. And I met some fantastic people on that Greyhound bus. But I was 15 then. Yeah, I don't know, 10 years old on a train. Anybody? Yeah, I mean, I, I never had that experience. but And I, I'm trying to, I was trying to think too, like, you know, with that, my parents have let me do that. And I kind of don't think they would have. You know, it, it was a different time, of course. I mean, not to say that it was not without risk. I mean, child kidnappers weren't invented 10 years ago. <laughs> uh, you know, it was a different time. And, and so, uh, you know, there was a lot of more independent, uh, you know, that's sort of the, the age of latchkey kids, you know, that sort of thing. And not that the powers parents were that, but it is that 
time period. I kind of see it as probably very prevalent. I would imagine that most people would do this. I would assume that either Maggie or Jim or both would have taken him to the train station and seen him on board and then been like, well, he's on the train now. He'll get off then. So have I ever taken a solo train trip like that as a youth? No, I never have. However, I would get up in the morning, have breakfast or lunch or something, and then be like, okay, I'm going over to blah, blah, blah's house. See you in 12 hours, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. But, but once again, though, it's still like, you know, I'm going to their house. Oh, yeah, we know them. This is the bike ride that he took over there. This is the bike ride that I'd take to the couple of miles away over to a friend's place that might take you however long it's going to get. You know, and it just happens to be that his bike was a train. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I mean, my daughter is 10 now and I'm, I was thinking about it. I'm like, oh, oh, heck no. Oh, heck no. I, I, I don't think I could do that. I really don't think I could do that. I don't think my wife would get away with me doing that. Mm-hmm. Sorry, maybe it was an express train and there was no other stops and it just went straight to Stanford. You know, that's the problem I'm having with this comic is there is not enough information about their bus or train schedules. <laughs> Thank you. What about Land of Dinosaurs? We know that it starts in an hour, but what time? I need to know the hours of this show. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to see the resume of the uh, the train engineer. Exactly. These are the things we need to get into. Now. <laughs> I think I think y'all are telling me that I, I'm 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 beating this dead horse into the ground. Fine, fine, fine. We'll move on. Is there anything else in this issue that you two would like to t- talk about? Since you guys don't want me to talk about bus times, train no, times. I want to I want to talk I want to talk about your uh, I want to talk about the train schedule. What platform was it on? <laughs> this is these are the answers I need. John, answer these questions. Stop evading us. It's been thirty years. Answer the question. <laughs> I need to know train schedules now. <clears throat> Maybe they bought tickets. They bought the whole train. They just bought the tickets for the whole train. <laughs> so it was just an empty train. Or, or, oh, there you or, go. E- either that or they got on there and, and, and Maggie announced, just so you know, my son is going to be going up and meeting the Fantastic Four. He will make it there in one piece. <laughs> <laughs> Mic drop, walk out. You know, yeah. Eh, well, yeah. Could All right, let me, let me challenge you guys this whole pop quiz for y'all. You have a fistful of dollars, uh, looks like $40 in 1980 money. Yep. So that's like, you know, $2,000 or something. I've yep. bad on inflation. You are let loose in the mall. What is your first stop in the food court? Orange Julius. Mm, nice choice. Mm-hmm. Nice choice. That's a classic one right there. Yeah. Cinnabon. That's a popular one. That's got some good eats. Corey? Probably Sparrow. Ooh. Did, you, did you guys have that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a pizza, yeah. pizza, mall pizza place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, Got to get your greasy cheese. Mm-hmm, I think I would mm-hmm. go with Annie's pretzels. I think I've always oh, been. Oh, good choice. Good I've choice. Always, I know. I know that sometimes those are not part of the food court area per se. If we want to get into mall rats type of uh, arguments about this, I would say that going to the hitting that, uh, getting that you know nice greasy buttered up pretzel with cinnamon and sugar on it. Mm, that's lining the old stomach for stomach ache later on. Mm-hmm. But I don't care. I'm I'm there mm-hmm. for that. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's good stuff. Do you go to the food court first or after you go to the uh, the mall arcade? Well, let's think about this because, you know, Jack has been on a train for an hour. So that's going to get his tummy a little empty. He's going to need to fill it tummy up. Tummy a rubbling. Gotcha. Need, yep, need, yep, need yep, to fill yep. it up with that sugar and the spices and everything nice yep. before you hit the arcade. Actually, that's a good question. Arcade or Toy Store? Which one do you hit first? Mmm. Yeah, this is easy. You got money. You got money in the pocket. You hit the arcade. It's when you're out of money, you go to the toy store and see what toys you can play with for free. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Not that I've done that, you know, 
<laughs> recently. Okay, let me go ahead and move us on, on to breaking out the library card. I've got a real quick one here. I wanted to touch on something because I could. There is lots and lots of kids books with dinosaurs, uh, real educational picture books. Kids love dinosaurs and there is books galore about it. So I went ahead and picked up one that I am familiar with that I read to my kid when she was younger than she is now. It's not one that came out when this book came out. It's more of a more recent one from 2006 by Mo Willems, and it's called Edwina, the Dinosaur Who Didn't Know She Was Extinct. This is a real fun book. I love to read this to her. It's a book about Edwina, a dinosaur who lived in a town with a young boy named Reginald von Hubidubi. Everyone knows and loves Edwina, except Reginald von Hubidubi. He knows that dinosaurs are extinct, and he has gone to great lengths to explain this, but nobody listens to him until Edwina stops by and she listens to him. It's a fun little humorous book. It's a story with science. It's got heart. It's got humor. And the art in it is really good, too. And it's got a character named Reginald Von Hooby Dooby. I mean, come on. You cannot beat this. You cannot beat it at all. You all got kids out there that are young. Definitely, definitely recommend this book. It's a fun little read. Like I said, 2006, Mo Williams, Edwina, the dinosaur who didn't know she was extinct. It's got science in the book, much like our dear Jeff in Science Corner. In this issue, the fact that dinosaurs don't exist anymore came up several times. And that got me thinking, what about Devil Dinosaur and all the dinosaurs in the Savage Land? Like, people in the Marvel Universe know for a fact that dinosaurs still exist, right? Well, maybe they meant on our Earth instead. So, if dinosaurs don't exist here anymore, are there any creatures alive now that existed concurrently with them? While most life on Earth met its demise during the Cretaceous-Tertiary mass extinction event, also known as the KT boundary, many marine families and land-based vertebrates survived. So the answer is yes, and here are some of those creatures. Crocodiles, snakes, and bees. Sharks, who have existed well before dinosaurs even arrived on the scene, and in fact, sharks have survived four or five of the big extinction events. Horseshoe crabs, which are known as living fossils, have become some of nature's most enduring organisms. And much like sharks, they've survived at least four of the planet's biggest extinction events, including the KT event. Sea stars, urchins, and sea cucumbers. Duck-billed platypuses and echidnas. Green sea turtles. Tuatara, which isn't really a lizard and not really a dinosaur, and is the last surviving species of its kind. It can only be found in New Zealand. Cockroaches have existed since 112 million years before the dinosaurs, and back then, they used to be about twice as big as their current form. And finally, birds. In an evolutionary sense, birds are a living group of dinosaurs because they descended from the common ancestor of all dinosaurs. So there you have it. Animals of today that have been around since at least the time of the dinosaurs. And that is kind of magical to me. And that is this week's Science Corner. Thank you very much, Jeff. I hope you all have been paying attention because there will be a test later on. But for now, we are going to get to Power Thoughts. That is where we look at the minor points of this issue, like the words and the pictures, and we, we talk about them just a little bit more. But we start off with Refrigerator Gallery. What piece of art in this book needs to be on the family refrigerator probably held up with a dinosaur magnet? So we'd like to start with our funny backup ones, and we'd like to start with our guests, Corey. Do you got us a funny, funny backup one that you enjoyed in this book? I love Jack murderously killing dust mites. <laughs> the, way he, <laughs> yeah. the way he's crunched down and just, you know, on the floor and just evil laughter just 
just pouring out of them. Great. I just love that. This is the, the like, especially the uh, top panel on page seven. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's it, where that's he's it. evilly laughing. Yep. He's like, die, yep. you dust mites. <laughs> yeah. he, he's, he's there, the butt's right up in the air, and he's just, uh-huh. hard, he's nothing but elbows and, and knees on the ground, just, <laughs> dee, 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 dee. yeah, yeah, that that is good, and he's got this like, evil eye that you won't see in there, that is a great one, I love it, I love it a lot. Jeff, what do you got to compare with that one? My joke backup one is on page 26, and I call it, hey buddy, let me give you a hand up, and this is the top center panel of a uh, Franklin as Tattletale helping up Franklin as Tattletale off the ground. This is his astral projection, getting his physical form up off the ground. It's an interesting way to get yourself woked up from being knocked out. Pick yourself back up by the arm and shoulder and give yourself a hand. Hey, the number of times I've always wished that there was a second one of me to wake me up after oh, I've been yeah. knocked out by an evil villain. It's like twice yeah. on Tuesdays, four times on Sundays. Oof. Yeah. Or yeah. do chores or go to work for you. Oh, Yeah. It's like I don't want to go. You go. I want to watch TV. That's when my Sadly, that's when my duplicate yeah. that's when my duplicate self punches me. I'm like I'm not gonna. I, no, no. You go to work. I want to watch TV. Like, no, I want to watch TV. Yeah, I don't want to go. You know to what? Work. You know what would solve this? Like, a uh, third person. A third person. A third. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. <laughs> my backup one is on page 16, and I call this one two of a kind. And this is the two side by side pictures there of the Mad Thinker <laughs> and Jack. Both in the ah, kind of pose, just parallel to each other. Jack holding up a dinosaur and Matt Thinker holding up a control. He's controlling a dinosaur. I'm sorry. I thought that was just hilarious. I got to kick out of that one. That was on my list. That one is, yeah, it's spectacular. And just, I love the fact that they're doing the same dialogue as well. Yeah. uh, Right up until the end, Matt Thinker says, roll the world. And Jack says, eat Tokyo. Yeah. (laughs) Which they go together. They go together. Two great tastes. (laughs) What about your top funny one, Corey? My top one, I had to go with on page two, panel two, Reed has just, dream in the dream world here, Reed has just eaten his own son and his little yum and the look on his face, just, just brilliant cartooning. I just love that. Yeah. Franksman is in the mouth and his little booties are hanging out. Uh, yeah, yeah. His little feet are kicking out. Yep. And he's just, and Reed's very just casually eating his son. It's no big deal. Yep. 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 Followed, followed right up by the next picture with the boing where like his mouth kind of extends out to comic size and he gets the, oh my gosh, what's going on inside my mouth. Yep. Yeah. Uh huh. All right. What about you, Jeff? Where's your top funny one? My top funny one is on page three. 31, and I call it Celebrate Good Times. Come on. And this is the upper right-hand panel, and this is after Jack and Franklin have defeated the Mad Thinker and are celebrating by just blowing raspberries and dancing and putting their hands up in the air and waving number one, and they're just having a great old time. Because it's nothing but boogie-boogie party time, party time. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Two kids celebrating after they've just beaten up a bad guy. I like it. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. That was definitely a great one. I love that panel. There's a lot of fun ones in yeah. this. I'm going to make you guys move all the way back to page three for my top funny one. And this is after Frank has beaten up his dream dinosaur daddy. And he's standing on his head after he's wrapped the dinosaur's <laughs> neck all the way up a palm tree. And the top of the body is or the body is just kind of hanging off the top of it. I find it absolutely hilarious that he killed his dino daddy. I think that yeah. that just cracks me up. That's some good comedy gold right there. I, the the Reed Dino's got the X's on the eyes. Once again, very good cartooning. 
patricide is hilarious. Hilarious. If you're a monster, you psychopath. <laughs> I love his tongue hanging out too. Just yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just, the just, classic. Just, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's the cartoon character. Yeah, it's great. Yep. So yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I think enough of those funny stuff. Let's get into the real good art, the real art that makes us just jump and scream with joy. Once again, Corey, why don't you go ahead and tell us what your favorite backup one is? I actually went with that same panel, page three, panel one, with him wrapped around. Even though it's funny, I think it's fantastic art. It's fantastic cartooning. It's just so good, creative. I always love when comic artists get to do dream scenes and they just they just go wild with it because the laws of physics no longer apply. And this whole scene, I love the opening scene of, in this issue. And that to me is just the first page is fantastic, but this is just wonderful. So creative. His neck, it's playing with Mr. Fantastic's powers. It's playing with the Brontosaurus. I just love it so much. So creative. And it's like you said, too, it's playing in that dream realm. This is where John Bogdanov, the writer, and John Bogdanov, the artist, get to just have fun. Yes, it's his wife's story, but he, you know, you know that there was conversations between the two and he got to just really draw something that was really fun and really enjoyable. And he loves this character. He loves Franklin Richards and he knows how this entire mindscape works and how his powers work. So this is, this is his playground and he is just all on board with it. It's great. Also, you don't have to worry about continuity. So go yeah. hog wild. Yeah. Jeff, what about you? What do you got? My backup favorite one is on page 13, and I call it When Dinosaurs Attack. And this is the uh, second panel down, and it is the uh, Franklin playing with the Stegosaurus and Jack playing with the T-Rex, and they're fighting. And I just love how it looks. It is amazing. And I this is one of the best-looking uh, Stegosaurus drawings I've ever seen, and I love Stegosauruses. So. Yeah, this is mine as well. This is my backup best one as well. Oh, nice. I think what makes it great is that it's got the look that it's real because it's in a comic yes. and you don't have to see the the movement. The movement is static and you've got these giant fingers because the kids are playing with it. So there's this yep. real mixture of these real dinosaurs playing, but you can see the boys playing with it. So there's a lot going on in the simple, simple little picture and it's really well done. And the ground looks like ground. The background, it looks like sky and mountains and things. In fact, the panel above it, it you don't see the kid's hand. So it looks like dinosaurs in the Cretaceous period or whenever, you know, fighting, yeah. facing off against each other. And then just to have that little addition of the, the little hands creep in over the corners. And I'm like, that's yeah, cool. The, the three panels are great because, you, like you said, yep. you've got the first one where you see the dinosaurs coming in. The second one, you see the fingers on the dinosaurs. Third one, it's the boys crouched over and you can see them actively playing with the dinosaurs. You've got the story right there. That is that is a story in of itself in those three panels. Oh, yeah. It is so fun. Yeah, that that is like that's great comics, you know, like three panels and you just transition from feeling like you're in a, a di dinosaur battle and then the reveal of the fingers and the kids are uh, just so great. This is a great, great story. Um, so that was mine. What is your top one, Corey? My top one is the page 11, panel three. We got the cash. Let's dash. I love the close-up of the boys and the, their eyes. <laughs> yeah. Their eyes are just alive and their expressions. I just love how he drew this, this moment of the boys looking out at the mall and realizing 
we can do whatever we want. And <laughs> so, and it's not like they're evil about it. It's just like pure joy and, and, you know, this like newfound freedom. It's so good. Yeah. Two young boys with some money free to play around in a mall. I know that there were times when me and my friend, I think TJ, especially, I can remember a lot of times when TJ and I were left loose on places. Here's some cash. Go and enjoy yourselves. And it's just like, yes, we are Kings of the world. Yeah, the, the 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 world is this mall. We are kings until the cash runs out. But yep. you <laughs> don't don't. We we have time. There, this is our kingdom lasts until the big hand is on this and small hands on this. That's all we know. <laughs> we rule until the streetlight comes on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But also, looking at this picture is great, too, because we were thinking that Sue had slipped Jack 40 bucks. There's a third bill in there. He's got 60 bucks. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Ooh, oh, right. yeah. 60 bucks in 1980s, that's like $200,000, I think, man. Whew. Something like that. That is a fistful of cash. Fistful of cash. There might even be another bill cramped into there. He might even have up to 80 bucks. This is just like, of course we're going to go have fun. This is the Richards. I mean, come on. They have no oh, yeah. concept of cash. <laughs> exactly. Take, it's like... Take, Take these. That, that should be enough. That should be fine. It's a reason why he went bankrupt so often, why they were always putting up the Baxter building for collaterals, because he has no idea how to handle cash. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, hmm, what denomination of bill did gumball machines take again? Uh, Probably 50s. 50s, yeah. Jeff, do you have a top favorite one? In fact, I do, and it is on the next page, which is page 12. And I call it the Galactus Meal Combo Pack to Go, please. <laughs> Now, I don't do this often because I'm not Rick, but I'm going to pull uh, basically the top half of this comic, the, at least the, the top four panels, where it is Jack and Franklin hitting the food court. They're getting pizza. They've got a bag of cookies. They've got the giant pretzel. They got the even bigger, you know, head-sized scoops of ice cream. And I'm like, that is a meal that would make me happy. Yeah. I love this. I just, I love the innocence of it. I love the accuracy of it. I love the fact that it makes me hungry and I've just had dinner. I want to eat all of this. I, I will allow it. That is a fantastic choice. Uh, even the panel underneath it where they're just like kind of recovering from their their food and uh, Franklin's little belly's pooped out and Jack's still slurping on a soda and just like, ah, these are the good days. <laughs> I love that you can't even see their faces in the ice cream panel. Like they're just so big. They're just... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. These yeah. are yeah, it's it's called cone heads yeah. and it's because the cone is the size of your head. <laughs> yeah. So great. Yeah. I also I, love the fact that Franklin has one scoop and Jack has three. Uh, <laughs> and Jack's just casually drinking. Like he they ate the same amount of food and Jack's just yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I think Jack even 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 ate more. Yeah. Because uh, Jack fact, was uh, destroying things when he <laughs> Yeah, he's using his uh, destroyer power. Yeah, he's he's holding the bag of cookies at the pretzel place. He's holding up two fingers to order two pretzels to the one that Franklin's eating. He's got the three scoops of ice cream compared to the one. What's funny on that uh, Conehead's ice cream one too is the uh, the cashier. You get a, just a tiny little 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 picture of her in the background, and she's like leaning over the counter just with an O face, like. <gasps> That's a lot of ice cream for that kid. So, <laughs> but yeah, Jack's pretty happy with what he's got going on. I would like to turn your guys' attention to page 21 and the middle panel for my top one. And I call this Action Boy. And this is where in the middle of a triceratops attacking and running through and, and the guy who's in charge of this exhibit is going, Oh my goodness. And Jack is, is in an action pose and he's arcing over a power ball into the side of the transfer. 
I really wanted a nice action beat, and that's the one I picked. I really, really liked it. I thought this was pretty cool. Uh, I, I never noticed till now, actually, that his powerball goes right through the, the the dinosaur. It's coming out the other side. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he did some yeah. damage to that thing. Yeah, he blasted it good. I think we should also make just a small mention, because I see it on the other page here on page 20, the scene where Calvin... And his parents are walking through and Calvin's all animated. Yeah, he looks like Calvin and he's hauling Hobbs. Yeah, yeah, he is he is aping animal. Bill Watterson, but he is doing a great job. I, I am yeah. pretty impressed with it. It's pretty nice. Yeah, it's great. That's really faithful. That's so great. Let's uh, let's move on to something I think that we've got a lot of in this book. And that is childish insults, rubber and glue moment. What are these insults that we hear these two little boys running amok saying? Um, <laughs> let's go ahead and see what Jeff says on his backup one. My backup rubber and glue moment is on page one. And this is when Franklin is talking or well yelling at his brontosaurus father. He's saying, you know, why don't you leave me alone? I have powers and they're good. And stop trying to damp them down. Dog breath, dog breath. Dog is a classic Jack statement. That is a classic uh, Jack insult, and the fact that Franklin has picked it up and is using it against his, uh, you know, his his dream father is, mwah, it's yeah. amazing to me. I'm like, hey, he he picked that up from his buddy, his big bro. He picked it up from Jack. Yeah, I, I had this one for a long time on my list until it got bumped down by a few other ones, but I like that one too. Corey, uh, no, that is that is great. I love <laughs> the. Uh, that's not, especially too from the time, you know, like it just feels very like 80s, early 90s, just an insult. That's so great. Yeah. What do you have for your backup one? Page seven, panel four. I love the taunting of Alex here with, you know, go have an incredibly perfect scientific day with Allison with a little music notes over <laughs> Allison. Har har. And then bye. <laughs> totally sends him off. The rest of the kids can only say Allison's name in a sing-song way. Yeah. 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 It's, it's Allison. Not, it's the only pronunciation. It really is. It is. It's it her name. She's like, well, of course that's how it sounds. I write it with the music notes. <laughs> <laughs> I probably did this to my sister. She was older than me. But you know, there's nothing like just a, a, a younger sibling just just taunting, taunting the older sibling. It's kind of great. <laughs> I hope my sister listens to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> and it's such a classic thing to do, too, is like when, you know, when, when your kids, for some reason, if somebody had a romantic interest, you have to make fun of them. Like, that's obviously oh, yeah. something yeah. to mock. You know, oh, you have feelings for somebody? Ha ha. Like, I'm, I don't know why that's funny, but, you know. You're in love. That's dumb. <laughs> I am going to go all the way on page 25. I'm going to talk about some more food. If you can believe it, we've had all this food in this issue and there's still more food to be have. When Frank tells the mad thinker that he has spaghetti for brains, mm. <laughs> <laughs> which I'm sorry. I know that he was stretching on that one, but that's pretty darn good. Spaghetti for brains. I, I, I kind of <laughs> like that. That's that's some ingenuity right there. That's some thinking on on Frank's part. <laughs> Yeah. Like to, he, he does take a moment to think about it. Yeah. Uh, he has an uh before. Hold on. I'm, I'm getting it. I'm getting it. Spaghetti for brains. Yeah. How do you like that? Yeah. <laughs> Matt Thinker's yeah. just going to stop and just like, say what? <laughs> oh, man. Smooth move. Uh, dinosaur? No. Uh, oil back? No. No, no. Uh, <laughs> Let me get back to you on that one. Let me get back to yeah. you on that one. <laughs> Okay, what do you have for your top one there, Jeff? My top one is on page two, because I can't get away from Franklin talking to his father. <laughs> Issues. 
Yeah. <laughs> I don't have I don't have daddy issues. What's your problem? You're not my dad. <laughs> no, this is when uh Franklin is escaping from Brontosaurus dad. Yeah, he's just punched his way out and he's all, "Yeah, I'm out of here. Get extinct, snake lips." Get extinct snake lips. Dog breath and snake lips. Uh, yep. Yeah, that's he. He's he's just getting out the old animal family there, ain't he? He is. He's doing great. But I just love the fact get extinct because yeah. he's a dinosaur. Snake lips because he's a reptile. I'm like, yeah, 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 I'm down with that. I like it. Yeah. So yeah. So that is my uh, my favorite rubber and glue. What about you, Corey? What is your favorite one? My favorite page tw- uh, thirty one. Jack's very. Very, uh, very clever <laughs> mocking of the Mad Thinker's shtick of math. I calculate that there is a 110% probability that I am being a raving jerk face. It's great. <laughs> love that. That is my top uh, favorite one as well. I love that too. I mean, this is where they're doing the dance. They are just rubbing it in his face. Even Franklin's got a good one calling him the Mad Stinker. But yeah, this is a yeah. great... That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. This is the kids <laughs> doing the absolute... This is... This is why we invented the category right here for this panel. They are just mm-hmm. insulting the villain that they just dusted the floor with. Yep. Can you yes. can you imagine being the mad thinker? You know, somebody who's gone up against the Fantastic Four. You're being carried off by yeah. the police and you hear these two kids yell this at you. Yeah. yeah. He's like, did I just get beaten by a four and a half year old and a, I believe a 10 year old? <laughs> no, he's not even 10. He's eight. How am I was I defeated by an eight year old? And the, and the, and this is what's going on. This is what happens to this poor guy. He has been yeah. beaten by some adults. So he goes up against some kids. He gets beaten by kids. The only step left is he's going to get beaten up by some teenagers. That's why he goes after the new warriors. Makes sense. I, no, I think it's going to be a uh, 101 Dalmatians thing. He's going to get beat up by uh, pets. He's going to get beat up by super pets. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know for sure, but in my brain canon now that the entire plot of the Pet Avengers is uh, the them against the Mad Thinker. I'm, I'm not going to look it up. Story I'm, I'm, not gonna, I'm not going to look it up. I just know that that's correct because he's been beaten by everybody else. So you know it's logical. Hold on, I want to check. Yeah, that's totally it. Yep, legit, legit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Let's let's move on to stars in detention. We need to identify mm-hmm. the child who was best and the child who was the worst in this issue. And as always, 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 we start with the worst. Um, I'm going to go with first. I'm going to go with my favorite, and that's going to be Alex. Alex, he was a bore. He was an absolute bore. He comes in the room. He sits there and picks on his siblings for doing things that he did with those same powers. And then he's like, no, I'm not going to go and help you because I'm going to go and go see my girlfriend because he's boring. Come on, Alex. Play with your younger brother. Be cool, older brother. No, he, you can't. You can't. Alex is the How worst. about you, Corey? <laughs> Who's your worst? Yeah, I agree with Alex, although it was more for his his face at his mother's haircut. It is, yeah, but but certainly, the, you know, it's a package deal. He, just overall in the issue, you know, I feel like I should defend Alex. He's, he's a future new warrior, but he did not live up to the name this issue. He, he's He's got a lot of work to do to... to to fit into the ranks with Night Thrasher and Rage and uh, Firestar. That's right. That's right. Well, I'm going to buck the trend here. And now this is going to be controversial. I am going to say that Alex was the worst kid. (laughs) I know (laughs) that you guys are going to have issues with that. I wasn't really paying attention to when your faces were making the wordy noises earlier, but I'm pretty sure that my choice of Alex is going to be very controversial in this, the year of our Lord, 2020. Uh, 
Yeah, it was. Yeah. I, I think we're going to have we may have to actually rename this podcast to the uh, uh, We Hate Alex podcast. It no, we don't always hate him. Sometimes he's great. No, it's just that in this one, uh, he he yeah, he came in. He was like, you know, I'm going to paraphrase. Yo, nerds, what up? Hey, that's my that's the screw I dropped. I always got to watch out for you guys. Suckers later. Got to go out on a date with my girlfriend. You'll understand it when you're older. Peace. Mom, your hair sucks. Bye. Yeah, mom, yeah the mom. Yeah. Bye. What's that on your head? Did you kill a red rabbit? Oh. Yo. <laughs> no. Yeah. It's just, it's, he popped in. He wasn't great. He left. Yeah. You know, it was, the, the, the rest of the kids weren't really in this. Alex just happened to be, he had no redemption cycle there. He just was kind of a jerk. Now so, this is yeah. going to be, this is going to be the next one here. The, uh, this is going to be the interesting one here because. We got two choices for the best. I think we could all agree there are two solid choices for the best. Maggie's I think hairdresser. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I hate you. Um, <laughs> but so it's going to be interesting to see which one we have chosen of the two boys to be the best. This isn't a Jack and Frank story, and neither one of them were were bad. Neither one of them were bad. It's just, you know, which one was the better one this time? I, I went with Jack. I thought that Jack was a very, very good friend to Frank during this one. And I, that, that meant the most to me is just the good friendship that he was showing his friend. That's why I chose Jack. So I'm interested to see which one you guys chose. I, I picked Jack as well. I totally agree. He, he, he could have been like, Oh, I have to hang out with the, you know, the baby, which he's actually, he has done that before. And so he, the fact that he stepped up and really let a connection between them deepen, I loved. And the way he coached Franklin on, uh, his father was great as well. So yeah, definitely Jack. Jack is an excellent choice. I uh, am picking Franklin as my best kid. But again, both were amazing. Both were really great. What made you choose uh, Frank over Jack? Franklin did save Jack's life. Mm-hmm. You know, he felt bad about having his dream. He was trying to decide if it was a special dream or not. And it's kind of weird because his dream was kind of a crossbreed between a special dream and not mm-hmm. a special dream because it involved dinosaurs and fighting dinosaurs. He had Jack's old power, so he spent time with Jack kind of in his old form. Yeah, so it's this combination thing. But yes, it was with the encouragement of Jack, but he stood up to his dad. He said, you know, hey, I actually, we really did have a lot of fun, but we also did learn things. And, you know, dad, maybe you should go and try see it yourself. See if you can have some fun, you know. So I, I just like the way that, you know, Franklin interacted with the world around him. He kind of, you know, he had a little bit more of the kind of the shy retiring and he was able to get out of his out of his shell. Both are good choices. Both kids are great. I think I would agree. I think that this is more a Franklin story. It is a Franklin story. Because he's the one who has more of the character arc. Mm-hmm. I, I just kind of made this own little connection in my head that, that there's very much a Fellowship of the Ring uh, relationship a little bit with Sam and Frodo. And, and it's very much Jack mm-hmm. is Samwise and, and and Franklin's Frodo. Just Just a little bit. Just he's giving him the support. He's giving him the encouragement he needs to help him be better to be the hero of the story. I don't know. I, I just, can see that. I'm just on a little bit of a rant there. I can stop my rant. It's okay. You don't need to tell me. <laughs> no, that's okay. But also there's the aspect that Franklin, you know, he's like, I don't really have any powers. I can make a dream self, but he's still, he was like mad thinkers up there. That's a bad guy villain that tried to kill my parents. He's just immobilized Jack and could kill him. I, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be brave like Jack. So on his own volition, you know, he identified a villain. He figured out where he was at and he went up to go face down a, you know, honestly a hulking adult uh, as a four-year-old. So props to him. Well, in, in the battle to knock down a hulking adult or in a battle, any kind of villain, 
you have to see what your target is and you have to aim for those high stars. So we need to look and see what top grades are. We need to see what books are the best in the series and what are the worst and where this book fits in on that list. We've got number one still, John Bogdanov's Power Pack number 42, Revenge of the Boogeyman. And all the way down to number 10, we've got Power Pack number 43, The Boogeyman Must Die, which <laughs> the follow-up to that one. Number 20 spot is Fire with Fire, and that's Power Pack number 40. That's where the New Mutants assist the pack in saving Rebecca Littlehill. Spot number 30, Power Pack number 23, Missing. The kids are flown to Snark World, and James discovers they're missing. Oh, no! Down at number 40, we've got Power Pack number 29, Obsession. Johnny Rival with a gun. Da -na 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 -na. Johnny Rival's got a gun. Okay, uh, going on down to number 50, we've got Girl Comics Volume 1, number 3, The Job. That's where... Power Pack Babysits Baby Care Cable. Wow, I haven't talked about that one for a little while, so it just kind of got me off guard. And then all the way down the bottom in number 62, we've got the issue before this. Power Pack number 56, uh, Chinks in the Armor with Typhoid Mary. Less said about that, the better. Let's move on up the list, because this is not at the bottom of the list. This is up a bit. But the question is where? Well, definitely top half. Yeah, definitely top half. All right, let's go ahead and start here. Up in number 23, this is a good place to just kind of start. It's Power Pack number 13. It's called Fireworks. It's the baseball game with the old player who wants to blow up the stadium. This is a one-shot issue. It features all of Power Pack. I just thought this would be a nice place to start because it's it's on its own little one-shot issue. Thinking about that one, do we think that this is better or worse than it? I haven't read that one in a while. So uh, going just by memory, which is... Not very sharp. I feel that, I mean, I see it's, it's hard for me because I have such warm feelings for the first, you know, year ish yeah. of the series. Yep. So it's hard for me to be like, it's, 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 you know, there's a lot of nostalgia bias going on. I'm sure. Oh, and, and there's just that warm, uh, wheezy June blanket that you just want to wrap yourself in and go, Oh, but they made the mm. thing I love so much. Yeah, exactly. I get it. Absolutely. Uh, it might be a little better. I personally, I, I was not born with the sports gene, so that could also be playing into my bias. Yep, same. So, uh, but yeah, I, I feel like it's a little better. Let's, let's move up some more then, and let's go up to the 12th, because this is a Franklin-centric episode. Let's look at another Franklin-centric episode, and this is number 16, Power Pack number 36, the 12th. This is where Master Mold hunts down and attacks Frank, who is sleeping over at the Powers. The, this is another one that is drawn and written by John Bogdanoff. My memory serves me right. It's got some beautiful Bogdanoff art. And it's... Uh, I know it was at least uh, drawn by him because he added uh, a lot of uh, people that lived on the boats. Yeah, yeah. He had the uh, the dock that uh, I think he lived at for a while. I think that one, once again, features all of Power Pack. Mm -hmm. But I'm actually thinking that this one might be a little bit better than it. Because once, once again, we're talking about that interpersonal relationship between... Yep. Uh, Frank and Jack, which really gets explored a lot in this. I agree. So I, I think, and I'm kind of looking above here, and I think we've got, in spot number 13, we've got Power Pack number one, Power Play, which I think is still a better issue than this. I, I, I think that that is still a very good kickoff. I don't think this really goes above that. And then we have Friday's Children, which is the 50th issue, which has got a lot. It's a good companion piece to Power Play. I'm actually kind of feeling it might fit in between those two because I think I like this one a little bit better than that number 50 issue. I can see that, even though it was a uh, a double size issue, so we had twice as much meat. Mm -hmm. But there's something there's something really nice about this being a simple simple little story. 
Yeah, it's structured just so nicely and and it's a great meal. It, yeah, it's so like self-contained. I mean, you could pretty much give this to anybody and they don't need to really know anything, you know? Like it's it tells it explains itself. 50 I feel like is 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 sort of you're sort of like knee deep in uh all the snark stuff and all the cosmic stuff. Yeah, the other thing that I like about this one is that it is tying more directly into a classic Marvel franchise, the Fantastic 4. So it doesn't have everybody and it doesn't have them in their costumes or anything, but it ties right into, you know, Sue and, and Reed. And that is kind of nice because it's like, oh, I know something about comics. I Yeah, oh, I know half of the Fantastic Four. Yeah, I know Stretchy Dude and the gal who you can't see. I know them. <laughs> Where when they go to Chimelia, the Chameleon homeworld, it's you have, well, this is a brand new, uh, you know, "Quote unquote planet. This is the the new horse. You know, this the alien race. These are the different people. That, here's the food. This is the oh, here's their history. Also, there's the there's this cosmic thing, but there's also there's these other aliens. So there's a lot more kind of like out of reach world building. It's kind of like when you're looking at the news and you go, oh, there was an earthquake over. I don't know where that is. Oh man, that's terrible." <laughs> But oh, there was a there was a, there was a warehouse fire j- two miles from my house. Y- y- it's kind of it's like that proximity. It's that I drive past there all the time. You acknowledge that I think a little bit better. So I kind of like the fact that it ties into sort of the established Marvel continuity con- uh, world better in that sense. So yeah, I would think that it, it, it they're very similar. They're very close. It's Power Pack. I like them. But yeah, I would agree. I think this is going to be fitting quite nicely into that number 14 spot between Power Pack number one and Power Pack number 50. A really fantastic showing by the one-two combination team of Judy and John Bogdanov. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. All right. Let's move on to our favorite part where we rank one other thing, and that's going to be our beverages. So uh, how's that water treating you there, Corey? That 2020 Californian Hills vintage. <laughs> it's it's completely... Well, wait, there's there is a drop. Hold on. Mm-hmm. I'm going to save this. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna store this and, and let it age for a while. That'd be nice. <laughs> like 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 a good comic book from the uh, the the early '90s and see how it, how it turns out. Yeah, in, gonna, in a gonna, few more years. I'm gonna send this to CGC and have them <laughs> slab it. <laughs> have to slab this drop of water. See what kind of looking, grade they get. <laughs> I'm looking for the the little card and the the very hard hard pack around it. <laughs> All yeah. right. Well, while yeah. you're sending that off to be slabbed, let's talk about our final thoughts of Lewitt Brewing Company's Grimlock Porter. I have uh, I realized a bit of the way through here because unlike normal when I buy a bomber, I only bought cans of these. And I had to say, I need to stop and leave this last little sip for the final review. I've kind of turned around on this a little bit. I think this is one of these great beers that as it gets warmer, the flavor came out a lot more. Like most stouts, like most porters, the warmer they get, the flavor changes on them. This is a really tasty beer once the flavor starts kicking in. What do you think, Jeff? Uh, It's nice cold. It is a little bit better an hour later when it's warmed up. It seems like it tarts up a little bit too. Like that coffee flavor kind of just gets a little bit more acerbic on the tongue. Kind of the toffee notes go away. And it's more of like like a baker's chocolate mm-hmm. for the chocolate that's in there. So it kind of, it gets a little tartar with age. It's, it's okay. I'm thinking that you're going to like this one a little bit better than yeah, me. Yeah, I probably am. I have other beverages that I prefer a lot better. I, I'd give this one a four, but I think that you're going to come in a little bit lower. Just shy of that. I'm, go- I'm doing three and a half. All right. 
it's good, but it's not doing it for me. Lewitt Brewing has given us quite a few nice beers, and I think we might find a few more before we're done with our run on Power Pack. But that's all we have to say for the beer. So that leads us to Rick and Carrie talking about the issue that we just covered in a little thing we call Kids Perspective. So, Carrie, let's hear you. Hello, Carrie. Hello, Daddy. How are you today? Good. And you? I'm doing well. Thank you for being here once again to talk about an issue of Power Pack. Anything with my daddy. <laughs> All right. So what is the big picture of this comic? A dinosaur? <laughs> yeah. Well, what is it about? Was he like Mad Thinker? This, dude, this crazy dude called Mad Thinker something? Yeah, Mad Thinker. But who's, who's this issue about? Franklin and Jack. And Franklin and Jack are, what are they doing? They are... Fighting dinosaurs. Yeah, but what are they doing before that? They're out to see dinosaurs, right? Yeah, but first they have lots of junk food. Yeah. And then they um, go play with dinosaur toys. Yeah. And then they fight dinosaurs. Okay, so Jack in this is like 10 years old. So he is your age, right? Yeah. Does this sound like a greatest day ever to you? Sure, why not? Okay, so if Mom and I gave you a handful of money and let you and Mason go off in the mall by yourself to go see some dinosaurs and to go to the food court and to play in a toy store, would that be the best day ever for you? Yeah. Do you think that we would ever let you do that? No. That's right. <laughs> Honestly, I think I trust you. And I think I could trust you to go into the mall. And if we sent you and a friend, another friend we trusted, I think we'd trust Mason at that point. <laughs> I think we, you would do fine going in the mall. Of course, you know, you tell me you don't have powers. And I don't think that you would get in a fight with the mad thinker. But, you know, you never know. See. Okay. <laughs> what did you think about the story overall? Did you like it? Did you enjoy it? I kind of liked it. My favorite part, honestly, was when Jack and the Mad Thinker were saying the same things until this one part. The last part, they didn't say the same thing. Mm-hmm. Mad Thinker said, rule the world, and Jack said, eat Tokyo. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed that part a lot as well. I thought that was really good how they did that. Did you recognize who the artist is on this one? No. No. John Bogdanoff still? Yeah, this is John Bogdanoff. Did you see who the writer is on it? Judy Bogdanoff? Oh, his wife! Yeah! Here's something you should always do, Carrie. You should always check to see who wrote and who drew the thing that you're, you're looking at. Because it's very important. I mean, there are some writers, there are some artists that you like. And it's a good thing to get in the practice of doing is to always check the credits to see who is in charge of doing the piece of art or that you are reading or you're looking at. So they can get credit. Yeah, so th and then you can appreciate them more, especially if it's something you like. Hmm, okay. But it's always good to keep an eye on that stuff. So, yeah, this is going to be the last time we get to see John Bogdanoff. It's the only time we get to see his wife, but do you think she did a good job writing this? Yeah, I hardly even noticed a difference at all, really. From last issue, did you notice a difference? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, from, like, compared to the other, quote-unquote, good comments... What do you think of the friendship between Jack and Franklin? I like it. They, they're kind of like me and Mason. Yeah, I can see that. Me and my friends are like really best buddies, and so is Jack and Franklin. Yeah, yeah, I think you are definitely correct there. It's good to have friends that you can talk to, isn't it? Yeah. Is there anything else you want to talk about about this issue? No. 
Oh, you're sure? Yeah. All right. I'm still not going to give you a handful of money and let you and Mason go run in the mall. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> At least not during COVID times. Maybe when all this is done, maybe you know, maybe we can talk about it. But probably when I'm a little bit more trusted. I trust you a lot. I think maybe just when you're a little bit older. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. A little more older, like maybe at least 13. Okay, we'll come back to this when you're 13. <laughs> All right, I love you, honey. Love you too. Yeah, yeah, Carrie, that was fun. Going and playing in the mall is a hoot. Glad you like dinosaurs. Shout out time! We like to recognize those listeners that take the time to write in or leave us a review. And this is for episode 68, where we discussed issue number 51 with Jerry McMullen from The Worst Comic Podcast Ever. Chad Michael Simon. Chuck Gears. And he tells us that Nunes only made one non-power pack appearance, and that was in Groot in 2015, number four and five. And Numinous looks nothing like Whoopi Goldberg in those. Charlie Rose. Comic Book Couples Counseling. Craig McNichol. Green Lantern HG. Awesome episode, guys. Ah, what a magical adventure in space that left more questions than answers. Jeff, science corner back. Yay! I didn't learn a thing. Oh, and Hoover Jeremiah in the 4 million years later podcast. Jeremy Daw. Malcontent. Mark O. Rogers. Max Travers. Nicholas Prom. Sarah Key. Shag Matthews. Tim Price, the podcrasher from the Outsiders podcast. Waffles from Waffles and Mario Talk About Things, who said, whoop whoop, brilliant episode this week. Except he said it with a much better accent. The worst comic podcast ever with Jerry McMullen and Colin Stapleton. Corey, thank you so much for being here with us. I would like you to tell the wonderful people out on the internet once again where they can find you and your awesome work. Much. Uh, it's been a blast. I really appreciate you guys inviting me and, and let me uh, blather on. So yeah, it's been a blast. Yeah, you can. If you have a computer, you should turn it on and fire up your AOL browser and go to <laughs> Twitter.com and you search at New Warriors Talk. That will be me. You can also go to NewWarriors.wordpress.com and that is my my obsessive website chronicling every issue of every New Warriors issue ever, uh, New Warriors Continuity Conundrum, and you Google Corey Blake, you might find me or the other Corey Blake. <laughs> <laughs> when you're not doing that, but while you still have that computer on and while you still have that AOL browser up, be sure to check out our other shows that we are on, our junior agent submissions on the MI6 Rogue Agent episodes of On Your Majesty's Secret Podcast, and my show, Monthly Monday Movie Muckabout on the Longbox Crusade Network. And we have some merchandise available on Redbubble. Go to redbubble.com and search for Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Jeff and Rick present is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recorded in front of a live studio audience consisting of a lot of plastic dinosaurs that you will find in L.A., California, and Portland, Oregon. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff and Rick present, our Facebook page Jeff and Rick present, our email address Jeff and Rick present, all one word at gmail.com, or at our website Jeff and Rick present.wordpress.com. Also, our YouTube channel is at Jeff and Rick present. And if you would like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com, Jeff and Rick present, all one word. We are a proud supporter of the Hero Initiative, and we will be donating 10% of our Patreon donations to this great cause. We encourage everyone to give what they can to this worthwhile organization that helps the creators who provide us with such great content. Go to heroinitiative.org to find out more. Please rate and review us wherever you can, tell your friends about us, or share your love for us on social media.
And as always, we want to thank the powerful people in our packs. My wife Cindy and our daughter Carrie. My fiance Hillary and our daughter Aurora. My wife Nalene and our two kitties Schnicky and Mr. Boy. We, we love, love you. you. Until next time. Costumes off. Our theme music is A's Action, also featured in this episode, is Hit the Streets Volume 2. All music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. I'm totally tolerant if you're a juvenile, but no, I messed up. Bathoom. Jack then asks his sisters, but Julie and Katie are going upstate, upstate, not upstairs. Yeah. Ja- getting closer, <laughs> getting further in the th- into the sentence. Bathoom. Because why not? And millions upon millions of high school marching band people just cried in anger. Yeah, it's always fun dropping in a last minute joke into the script and seeing what Jeff thinks of it. <laughs> Road Driver, there's homework. We are there. Ready to be the pack. Power pack. Greatest American sub teenagers. We have powers. I don't remember how this thing goes. Pathum. Jeff? Yep. <laughs> You're allowed no, uh, to talk now. Pathum. <laughs> Thank you very, Jeff. I. Hmm. Mine is back on page 18. I've got a funny backup one on page 18. Hang on. There's no page 18. 18 I know. is an advertisement. Shut up. You oh. love that comic 16. collector. Okay, here we go. That is great. My dang it. I was like, what the hell? My Corey, what did you pick? Or who, not what? I agree. <laughs> Stop objectifying the me. I picked the chair that they sat yeah. in. When they, uh, <laughs> that bench had that bench had a lot. Bench that bench mall. had a lot of weight to put on after the kids ate all that food. So yeah. Bathoom. I'm going to uh, go back to my objectification thing though, and I'm going to say that Jack's T-shirt is the best because it is. It shows uh, somebody kayaking, and it says uh, it works on multiple levels. Uh, the shirt says Maine Yaks, so it's oh kayaking in Maine. But you could also read that as maniacs. And I'm just like, yeah, maniacs. He's a maniac for kayaking in Maine. Maniacs. Maniacs. Uh, so, love Jack's shirt. So, Corey, However, so Corey I'm going to go ahead and sign you up to be <laughs> my co-host for the rest of the show. Is she cool with that? Uh, okay, <laughs> great. great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Scratch out Corey and Rick present. <laughs>